Hello and welcome to the Cat Maste Chronicles podcast. We have exciting, interesting and powerful stories from pet owners about their projects, businesses and ventures. I'm your host, Michelle Adams, founder of Chatty Cats Care, London's professional cat sitting company. Join me as I dive deep into conversation with pet owners to chat about their individual journeys and of course, their beloved pets. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. This episode is sponsored by Pet Business Insurance, our trusted insurers at Chatty Cats Care. Hello, it's Shana from Pet Business Insurance. I'm here today to give you a very brief introduction to Pet Business Insurance. So if you haven't heard of us before, we are the UK's favourite insurance provider for the last 15 years for pet business professionals. Yes, that's right. We only specialise in pet businesses alone to ensure that all of our services are tailor-made to your business needs. So you can stop worrying about the unexpected and start enjoying growing your business. And if in the event that you do need to claim, we typically pay out in 48 hours or less. Winners of the FIFO Gold Trusted Service Award, our friendly team are always on hand to discuss your needs and advise on the best possible package for you. So if you're a dog walker, groomer, or even a pet party specialist, head on over to www.petbusinessinsurance.co.uk today and get peace of mind with our quick and easy quote online service or call us on 01284-736-874. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Cat Mass Day Chronicles podcast. This week we are joined by Anita Kelsey. She is a qualified feline behaviourist and psychologist and author of two fantastic books, Claws, Confessions of a Professional Cat Groomer, and Let's Talk About Cats. I've personally read both books and I think they're fantastic. I've learned so much from them and I've started to apply Anita's practices to my own line of work at Chatty Cats Care. Anita is also a proud cat mum of two Norwegian forest cats, Kiki and Zaza. I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time now and I know that our listeners will get so much value from listening to Anita speak about herself cats and her books so without further ado thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast Anita I've briefly introduced you but if you could tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself that would be amazing yeah sure hi Michelle thank you for having me um well yeah my name's Anita Kelsey and I run a feline behavior practice in London um, where I travel around London greater London and parts of the UK um I mainly visit people's homes to help with behavior issues once vets have looked into the issues and made sure there's no medical concerns um I'm a passionate vegan um, and I not only care about cats I care about all animals and I love nature walks countryside seaside so um yeah pretty that's pretty much me <laughs> <laughs> sounds good sounds good I think it's a common thing with all of our listeners to love all animals even though this is just a specifically kind of cat I guess themed podcast or business um I often like to talk to people with different kinds of pets and people from all over the world um so yes you fit in very well with our <laughs> podcast audience <laughs> Um, Let's kick things off by talking a bit about why you started working with cats and is this something you always wanted to do? Yeah, well, um, since I was a child, I was obsessed with cats. And um, one of the things I used to do was insist that my mum used to take me to school and walk the long way round because there was one particular street that had lots of cats sitting outside in their garden. So I would always insist that we that we go this route. So yeah, so I can't remember a time that I wasn't obsessed with cats. But when I was younger, there's two things that I wanted to be um, a vet or a singer. I know that they're polar opposites. And, um, and so I went down the singer route and I was a singer songwriter for 35 years. And, um, 
basically, I just experienced a bit of a tragedy in my life um, when a friend of mine committed suicide. And that affected me in um, quite a difficult way. And so I decided after that that I completely wanted to change my lifestyle. And so after some time of reflection, I just decided that I wanted my next passion, apart from music, was cats. And so I just decided to set up a cat practice. So actually, I I done what you done at the beginning and set up a cat sitting company. Ah, okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Before I went on to behaviour work. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it's it's so nice because so many, it's so funny. I think it's a common thing, but like a lot of people who I speak to who kind of like work with cats are all, they also have like a creative background. So that's so interesting that you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing, I think what I've found with cat people is that goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, no, not dissing dog people and not saying that dog <laughs> people are creative, but I very much um, meet so many um, cat cat lovers who are very very creative as well so it's funny yeah it's It's funny (laughs) (laughs) oh so I had no idea that you could actually get a degree in feline behavior and psychology so tell us a bit about the course and and what it entailed because I find that so interesting yeah so, so basically there's quite a few like um generic animal courses and animal behavior where people go on these courses and you're really studying lots of different animals Mm. um but what I did is I did things a bit differently so I went to Middlesex University um Mm. before I went to the university I did a feline behavior course for two years with Roger Tabor um he's now retired but he was a biologist and feline behaviorist Um, So after the two years, I set up my behavior practice and then decided to do a work based um, a work based degree. So basically what that means is that you present your your line of work and um, let's just say you've got a business. So I had a behavior practice and I presented my portfolio to Middlesex University um, to do then a work based degree. And so what that means is that you have to do um, original research um, that is connected to your practice. So that so basically Middlesex University don't offer um, feline behavior degrees as such you have to go with them and present your practice to them if you wanted to go down that route if that makes sense ah. so um so basically I did um original research on cat aggression du- during grooming um I believe that's the first of its kind I don't think anybody's done um research um to do with cat aggression um during the grooming process oh. and that's how I got accepted you have to kind of go with them go to them with a project but Mm -hmm. but also go go to them with your portfolio of your of your work and then I I basically got accepted once they saw the portfolio does that make sense (laughs) it's it's very similar to a PhD actually because you know with PhD you go in with your own kind of like question or yes yes yeah Ah, that's so interesting yeah so it's so it's a bit like that so so basically there I mean most of the animal behavior courses are kind of generic ones where you study lots of different animals so I decided to go a different route I already had my practice up so then I just presented the university with my practice so it is very much like a master's or um, a PhD yeah yeah. that's really interesting actually um so you're now a qualified cat behaviorist and so yes what has the journey been like since you kind of graduated from the course uh, well, it's been amazing because um, I think like because first of all, I set up um, I mean, I was a singer for 35 years. So that, wow. then when I set up my when I wanted to work with cats, I basically just decided to set up like you have a cat care business. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked into the into the Notting Hill area where I was based and there was nothing going on there. So I think everything I've done has just grown organically from the cat sitting company. I started studying grooming cats. Mm-hmm. And again, that just kind of took off because there's not really many cat groomers in London and then at the same time I started studying um, feline behavior and and so everything's just grown quite organically and so it's just it's just grown organically and at a steady pace so it's just been amazing quite life-changing for me yeah I mean it's been exactly the same for me as well like it just grew organically but I think that's the best way to be honest Um, and 
do you know there's so many like cat owners and pet owners in London like there's so much room for lots of people within the industry so um there's so many opportunities and I think the best way to grow is naturally as well because then kind of people speak so it's word of mouth and I feel that that's the best kind of form of marketing and I believe that that's what you've probably had as well lots of great reviews and people who have been speaking about you and and yeah and I think I think when you've got a passion I think that shows I think yeah if you're not thinking about the money and it's just a passion, I just think it just grows naturally, especially if it, if it's meant to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm very much a, um, a believer in that, that you're just guided to various paths in life. Yeah. So that's what I found with this. It's just been, I haven't really tried that hard to, to get clients. It's all just grown organically word of mouth and it just feels really, really natural. So yeah. although, although this stemmed from um, a tragedy in my life, which was, which was heartbreaking, it's just led on to something that's just been absolutely life affirming and brilliant for me. Amazing. Honestly, I'm so happy for you because I think Thank you. you're brilliant. Um, you're also a cat groomer, as we've mentioned. Yes. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed reading your book, Claw's Confession of a Professional Cat Groomer. I loved the individual stories about cats and it was fun to read. So can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that book? Yeah, so um, so it's called, yeah, Claw's um, Confessions of a Professional Cat Groomer. Um, and basically, I don't think people really understand how difficult the job is for, for cat grooming. For, yeah. um, cat I grooming. think I've got an idea of how difficult it is. Yeah, especially going into the home because um, cats um, sometimes act very, very differently at vets because they're quite scared mm. and they don't know the territory. But when you're going into a cat's home, it's their territory, so they're quite confident. And um, obviously, a lot of people call you up because they've got difficult cats so um, basically the book came about because after um, each cat room um, I have to write up some notes afterwards so that it reminds me of how the cat was with me what to do next time etc and then a lot of times I used to be laughing at myself as I was um, laughing to myself as I was writing the notes and I just thought um, how fantastic I don't think anyone would believe just how difficult some cats are and how fantastic it would be to actually um, extend the notes into a book and and so um, for me, one of my um, cat sitting clients actually um, was an editor at the Sun newspaper. Oh. And so I just went to him with the idea and he thought it was a fantastic idea. <laughs> and he asked if he could get on board and um, be the editor of the book. So, again, it was just like a natural, Amazing. organic yeah. process with, yeah. with that book as well. So <laughs> and I found the perfect person to edit it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. It's good to have those contacts as well. And obviously, yeah. you know, he could see the passion that you had, but also he could see the potential in the book because it is funny and it's really good. And I love to listen. To, I love to read those stories. Like it felt like I was reading, you know, when you get those magazines and like people writing stories and stuff. It kind yes, of yeah, like that. yeah. You kind of like can't put it down and you just want to read like the next bit. So that's what it kind of felt like. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think people realise after reading it as well. I mean, if you if you kind of Google um, mobile cat groomers, you'll find very very few in London because it's mm. such a difficult job that um, people yeah. just tend to be um, to be dog groomers, and there's hardly any cat groomers in in London that do that do mobile work in people's homes. It's true. It's true. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. <laughs> now I can, yeah. Now you know why. <laughs> yeah, I understand why. I, especially from your book. Oh my gosh, some of the stories, the things you've had to go through. I can't yeah, believe it. I definitely recommend our listeners please go and find that book. Where, where can they find that book, by the way, Anita? Yeah, it's on it's on Amazon. I okay. think that's the best. Yeah. And also I do have an Etsy shop as well, okay. but um for ease, it's on it's on Amazon too. Okay, brilliant. Do you have any favourite stories that stand out from that book at all? Yeah, I mean, God, they're all my favourite, but I guess I guess one that's um, pretty amazing is, is Lucky the Cat that... Um, Basically, um, one of my clients was coming home from a trip to visit her mum in the countryside mm. and um, just a freak accident. The cat managed to get out of the carrier. Mm. Um, I think it was either Bond Street or Oxford Circus, but at the busiest time at rush hour, the cat managed to escape from the carrier, just completely panicked. And she just saw the cat running through people's legs, jumped straight onto the train track and then ran into the tunnel. Wow. And I can't believe how, you know, um, I can't believe that they found the cat after. I, I know. 
four or five days because with all the trains thundering through and a cat that's an indoor cat only, um, I can't imagine, number one, the stress that the cat must have gone through and number two, just, just the panic the owner must have felt when that happened. And, um, yeah, that, that was amazing that she actually got, got lucky back. I know that's such a story. <laughs> when I was reading it, I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's like, you know, one of those kind of stories that you hear in like, I don't know, a book or like a fic, not a fiction book, a nonfiction book, like this can't be real. Like, this I know, I know, it's unbelievable. And actually, I've never seen a cat so dirty when I went round there. I think it was the the morning after they'd found um, Lucky. Um, I, I just put my hand on Lucky. I've never seen grease and oil so thick. Um, you know, Lucky was in such a terrible state. And um, so it was Lucky's first ever bath. Um, so, yeah, it was good to get Lucky clean. And <laughs> well, I mean, Lucky by name and Lucky by nature. Because... Absolutely. It's an incredible story. And if anyone, like, punches in Lucky and um, the underground, that story will come up because all the newspapers wow. covered covered the story. So... Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so let's move forward by talking about your recent book. Let's talk about cats again. It's such a great read. And I learned so much about cats from your book. And I've recommended you. your book to many of my clients, actually. Um, but can you tell the listeners a little bit more about what that's about? Yeah, so let's talk about cats is basically a collection of interviews with cat professionals. Mm. Um, I didn't really want to write like a typical cat behavior book because there's lots of really, really good ones out there. Mm. I just wanted to write something with a difference. Um, I definitely um, initially the book was um, so I don't know if you know this, but initially the book was going to be about the cat professionals lives. So um, it was a different focus, although they talked about behavior. They all they also talked about their lives um, Mm. in whatever area they was in. But when I got um, when an editor got on board from from an agency um they thought that the focus should be much more on just answering one question per chapter one cat question mm. and so um and also they wanted more of my voice in the book so the whole book had to be rewritten i lost quite a lot of um interviews because mainly the interviews were just about the person's life so a lot of interviews had to be lost and i had to totally restructure the book so that it was just that cat professional answering a particular question per chapter So I think that works really, really well. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a shame to have some of the other content lost. Yeah. I'm sure that it would have been really interesting as well. But maybe you can use it in a different way, perhaps. Yeah. But I think, I mean, initially, I was quite upset that they were changing so much of my original idea. But actually, I think that it works much, much better that people can pick up the book. You've got professionals just talking about their area of of expertise and actually answering a specific question so I think it really tightened up the book and just made it far more interesting Um, but at the same time I'm still shining a light on the um, varied and rich experiences that other professionals have as well as me so I just wanted it to be a combination of different people's voices yeah I like that and I like how it was easy to follow like if you didn't have time, I obviously read it cover to cover, but if you didn't have time to read the whole thing, you can kind of like see a chapter, select that chapter. Maybe you're interested in something specifically and then you can go and find that chapter and it's very insightful. So, yeah, I love books like that. Even now, like I, I pick up my, my own book and I'm just kind of, I love just um, dipping in and out of yeah. different sections again and just reminding myself of what different professionals have, have um, spoken to me about. So I do love that. Yeah, me too. Um, I've also really liked your book because of your honesty and authenticity you shared a story about your late cat Sooty and you mentioned that you were quite naive about his care and his illness it's such a commonality among so many cat owners to feel this way I personally have as well about my late cat who recently passed Um, so it was only when you studied to be a cat behaviorist that you reflected on your own experiences can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I think when anyone gains knowledge, uh, you just start a process of reflection. And so that's exactly what happened. I mean, um, pre-study and the pre-internet, I was quite um, naive and ignorant. And um, so it just made me think about things. I mean, in terms of 
how we treated sooty, overfeeding to compensate um, for love, loving the cat, giving too much food, mm-hmm. um, not playing enough, not not um, tending to sooty's needs, and thinking that just because sooty went outside, that was enough. That was basically um, enough stimulation, um, not enough bonding with the cat, um, teasing the cat when I was a child. So. By the way, is that disturbing you? That because um, there's some drilling going on in the background. I can hear the drilling, but it's quite faint. So oh, okay, that, that's okay. good. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess it just gave me um, re- reflection, and I was just cringing at some of the things. But uh-huh. that's what knowledge does, isn't it? It's just it does. Yeah. It does. No, me too. Like I with my cat because he was quite old, so we inherited him from my late grandma um and he passed when he was 24 years old oh wow um, yeah so but for a long time a long amount of time I would say like, we didn't realize that he liked to play still like yeah. my mother because I live with my mother as well she just assumed you know that when he gets old he kind of is not interested in that anymore because he used to sleep a lot and I said to her well actually I'm gonna try and see if he likes a different kind of toy so I started yeah. getting, you know those little teasers and there was teasers with catnip and then it was like he was a whole new cat like he just started playing and he really loved that toy he'd actually tear it to pieces like we were shocked we had no idea and there was all that time when we could have been playing with him and we just didn't know yeah I mean it's just a common thing but I think we do that with humans too really we yeah. just kind of disregard um elderly humans and think that they, they they're not contributing much and they don't need much so we do exactly the same it's kind of like an age thing isn't it yeah um, <laughs> you know but um I mean even like it's just like changing the toy like they, it doesn't have to be manic playing but even like toys like pipe cleaners are just brilliant for elderly cats even if they're just lying there or their joints are aching or they've got arthritis they're still going to reach out and be focused on that pipe cleaner and give a little play so um it's always it's always worth um just looking at age is not a disease mm-hmm. <laughs> it's um you know it's it's just age yeah exactly exactly So the beginning of your book was also incredibly insightful. It's about the history of cats and you touch on worker cats who were used to kill rats and mice. Why did you think it was important to include this section in your book? Yeah, well, I think when you're working on anything in in the present, you need to go back to the past to to understand it and put things in context. Um, And I think it's important to bring the animal aspect into the into the book rather than just talking about cats as pets only. I think that people need to understand that, yeah, you do have a pet, but you also have an animal with with um, specific needs um, you need to understand how they become domesticated and and that they're working animals and predators and I think all that um, helps you to be a better cat gardener especially if they're indoor only so I think that you just need to um, realize that they need to be stimulated they're hunters and just where 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 they've come from in their journey with us it's so important I think yeah. and I found it fascinating when I was studying I bet, I bet, I bet. I did find that bit um, fascinating as well because I love to understand theory as well. I I also liked when you include like the behaviourist, was it Skinner? I think you mentioned you quoted um, the behaviourist Skinner somewhere in the book and I find that quite interesting as well because I had like a psychology and sociology background. So it's interesting how you can kind of link those things yeah I was I was quoting I mean the whole book is just full of full of quotes and and references because um, so that people can go and um and basically then start doing their own little research um as well on that on the uh, specific area that they're interested in yeah definitely definitely so the story of Dicey the cat felt quite moving to me because I felt particularly yeah I felt particularly connected with that part that you speak about rehoming cats and I've also helped rehome cats via social media and I love receiving the updates of how the cats are doing in their new homes it just it makes me feel so much better to know that why do you think this type of handover process um that you speak about in Dicey's story is so important for cats and their owners yeah, well, first of all, I mean, some behaviourists, um, they when they get on board to help you rehome a cat, they they do think that it's better to have a um, a straight 
split so that you you hand the cat over to the rescue centre and then you don't get involved so much because they think that it makes the, the job harder. Mm. But for me, I mean, you love your pets, their family, and it, it's a heartbreaking difficult decision that I think needs care and attention um I mean I can't imagine that the worry cat guardians feel handing over um, a family member without ever knowing how they've adapted to the situation or their their new life so what I do is I encourage um I normally get on board to help with with finding somebody to begin with so I normally write a flyer that's in the cat's voice um uh-huh. kind of explaining from the cat's voice what they're going through why they need to go to a different home mm-hmm. and then I encourage that this was pre um uh sorry post-covid I encourage um the owners to kind of chat and get a nice instinct from the from the people that they're chatting with and um, that they get to meet in in each other's home so that they can so that the cat the um, previous cat guardian can see the new home that the cat's going to go to and then I encourage that they that they become friends that they um they get involved in the in the process and that the new guardians can update the the previous guardian so it's like a big a big network a big family and we all get involved and especially with dice it was just heartbreaking for the little boy to give up his cat um and um, they became it was actually a friend of mine that took dicey on and um they became friends we all we all went around for lunch which is how i got that photograph in the book yeah and um and they've kept in very very close contact i think they've i think um the previous owners um have been round to lunch um quite a few times with in dicey's new home so I think it's lovely to to do it in in that organic way. Absolutely, absolutely. Because one of my clients, they just rescued a cat from Battersea, and I think it's their pro like procedure that you can't um, uh, get the contact details of the previous guardian, which is a shame because um, Daisy, the cat, she's in like she's you can tell that she had had a nice home and she was well taken care of. Yeah, for whatever reason they couldn't continue to care. Yeah. So we were kind of thinking, well, how would like they would probably really want to know how she's doing and maybe receive some updates. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me because a lot of people's um, situations, they're difficult. Um, situations they're not just going into this um decision lightly it's yeah. it's a heartbreaking decision and um they're very much you know the humans are very much part of the process and they need to be taken care of absolutely as far as i'm concerned absolutely no definitely there's um a section of your book about big cats and you had a chat with brownie smith who is yeah. a keeper at the big cat sanctuary she was talking about training big cats using stress-free methods i know there's this big debate in the cat world that cats yeah. are <laughs> trained so what do you think about that yeah so it's easy to train a cat so basically if the cat is getting something out of the interaction then um like food then they're easily trained i mean in other words, I mean, you, you're training the cat to do something that it would naturally do um, that's natural to the species. So um, you're not going to be able to train the cat to, to pedal a bicycle whilst juggling balls. <laughs> you are going to be able to train them to jump like through hoops, to, to go to heights, to do the paw, to hand, to sit and to go where you, you want them to go. So anything that's kind of natural to the cat's normal behaviour, um, if they're going to get something out of it, then you can train them. <laughs> Typical cat. Yeah, typical cat. No, absolutely. You can also train them, like if you've got a cat, you can train them to shut up as well. If you've got a cat that vocalises a lot, you can actually train them to shut up by giving them treats when they shut up. So yeah, that they yeah, yeah. If they go quiet. So um, yeah, but you know what cats are like. If they're getting something out of it, then um, they're easily trainable. Yeah, I'm very much like a dog. I've taught a cat to sit. I've taught a cat to give me a paw. <laughs> Yeah, so they can do a lot. Yeah, yeah, they can. You should try it. There's some great books out there as well, like the, um, the clicker training books. There's some really good books on Amazon as well. Oh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. I'll have to look into that. Um, I've been working with cats for quite a few years now, and I'm always surprised when I visit a client's home and they have no toys for their cats. And I know you mentioned earlier about elderly cats kind of still mm-hmm. needing that stimulation. Um, and they would often say things like, my cat doesn't play with toys. But um, what you talk about the importance of play in your book. 
So can you tell us a bit more about why it is so essential for cats to hunt? Yeah, um, well, cats are hunters, um, they're predators, and so this can be quite boring and frustrating, especially for indoor indoor cats that have nothing to stimulate them. So, I mean, play just, um, it can get weight off of cats, it stimulates them, the mental stimulation, they're doing something that they would naturally do outside in the wild, and also it's a chance for you to bond with your cat, to make them happy, to get them excited. So I just think that the, all that is really, really important um, and stops them from just sleeping all day out of boredom. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't know if, um, if you've ever done this, but the craziest thing I've ever done when I was sitting cats was to um, this cat that had no one. Well, there was no windows and the windows were up really high. It was like an attic flat. And I actually got down on my hands and knees and was crawling around the flat taking photos of from the cat's perspective to send to the owners to say this is what your cat sees every day they really need some toys they really need like high climbers so that they can get to the window and um, they must have thought I was crazy if they had a if they had one of those secret cameras (laughs) I read that in your book and I thought what a good idea though because so yeah the cats need that space they need I feel so bad for them some of them as well sometimes and I do make suggestions as well like you because I'm like oh well you know maybe this will be good and then of course it is up to them because it you know they're the guardians but I mean it's good to kind of take advice from people who know what they're talking about and the cat's perspective as well like you have to put yourself in their shoes I used to do that all the time I mean some (laughs) people I think they, I think they were quite annoyed that I sent all those photographs, but I just thought I was going to do it do it anyway because uh-huh. someone yeah. championed the cat and and sometimes I mean a lot of times cat um, cat guardians would actually sorry I keep saying owners and guardians um, so I'll be flitting from from the two, but um, sometimes um, they'd be really appreciative that you've actually pointed something out, but some sometimes other people can just get um, quite defensive about yeah. it, but I would do it anyway. Yeah, same. More for helping the cat first. Exactly. (laughs) No, definitely. You have to give them the voice, you know? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on declawing cats and nail covers? I've been in a number, I've seen a number of photos of cats with nail covers on some cat community pages online. Um, You cover this topic in your book. But yes. what could you tell us about your thoughts on this topic and a bit about the issues that can be caused for okay, cats? I'm going, I'm going to just like my cat is going like this is a uh, typical, but um, I've shut my cat out of the conservatory and she's, really, <laughs> she's absolutely crying and desperate to get in. So oh. I'm just going to open the door. I'm sorry about this, but this is oh. this is a live um, podcast. So one second. <laughs> right. Right. Oh is that key is that um thank you yeah <laughs> i thought so in the room with me and i hope she's not going to play up too much um so basically um for people that don't know um, dechlorine is cutting off a segment of the bone attached to the claw um it's main uh, over here it's illegal um it's ma- the procedure is illegal in some states in the the US and other states, um, the vet will do this. And there's many reasons why, why people do this. All horrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm totally against it. I think it's cruel mm-hmm. and um, can cause a cat lifelong pain. So totally against it. But when I was doing my research, I did, um, like, I went in with a really hard stance um, against this. But some other cat groomers were kind of pointing out to me, n- not f- not with the chlorine, um, but with the claw covers that sometimes... Yeah save a cat's life over there because obviously they have the kill shelters over there so if um if a cat guardian is annoyed by a cat um, scratching the furniture or they've got an elderly guardian where they've been scratched then if they're given over to the claw shelter because they can't put on caps that could mean a cat can die so I was i I did mention that in the book that although I don't like them because they are natural and there's better things to, um, to do and to educate yourself with the nows, um, in some cases in the US yeah. it saved a cat's life. So yeah. it's it's a, it's a very, very difficult one. <laughs> it is. It is. It's all circumstantial. I feel like it's, it's more popular in the US and I'm not sure why. Um, 
but I I see that more in the US than in the UK. And yeah. there was a rescue cat that I looked after here with no claws, and that cat had come from the US um, and was living in the UK for a little while. And that's yeah, the first time I've ever seen that. It's the first time I've ever seen a cat right. without claws. So I was well, quite. I've seen, I've seen quite a few. Um, I've seen quite a, a few only from the US again that have been yeah. um, that have come where the owners kind of. Um, been um wanting me to know that it wasn't them that declared the cat they came from yeah. a rescue situation but um in many cases the cat then feels pain when they're stepping on the litter tray so it did cause some issues um toileting issues and and toileting around the home because they didn't like stepping on the litter yeah, yeah. so um yeah I mean but if you're asking me what I feel I'm totally against it and I recommend that um everyone watches um, a documentary called The Paw Project, P-A-W, okay. that was done by um, Jennifer, uh, Dr. Jennifer Conrad, who I interview in the book, because she talks all about declawing and um, her campaign to try and get it um, uh, delegalized in all the states in the US. Amazing. Do you know where we can find that at all? Um, it was free to watch on youtube i think they've taken off i think it would be on their um website the poor project i'm oh, sorry not, not um it was on netflix but now it's been re- oh, wow. removed from netflix so i watched it on netflix okay. it's very hard going at the beginning for the first like five or ten minutes you're going to be very very upset because you're seeing the worst cases with like big cats that have been declawed oh. so i stopped watching but then i kind of my friend um, made me go back and watch it again because it ends up being a, such an inspiring um, documentary with how far they've got trying to um, make lots of vets and states get on board with saying that they're never going to do it again so definitely get past the first 10 minutes and then continue watching okay thank you thank you so much for sharing that Anita yeah. I'll definitely tune in this is a bit of a funny question but in the part of the book where you speak about us humans talking to our cats like they're human infants. I'm quite guilty of doing this myself. And it's so funny when I think about it because I don't understand why I put this voice on. But you speak about cats in um, imitating the voice of their owners. My late cat, Jerry, sounded a little bit like my mum when he had certain meows. And it was so strange sometimes. Why do you think they do this? Well, actually, I mean, it was Dr. Um, Suzanne Schultz actually mentioned this. So she was the um, the doctor that I interviewed, um, who's a f- um, phonetic scientist researcher. Um, I've not heard it personally, but she's but she was actually talking about that that she's heard cats that imitate their owners. And all I can think about it is just that they they know that it leads them to getting attention or something that they want. <laughs> I mean, um, but I've not personally heard that myself in term. But I do speak to my cats, you know, as as everybody else even though I'm a behaviorist I still talk to them with with a put-on voice um <laughs> I still talk to them because I think we're talking to them as if they're babies the yeah I can't yeah. deny that that I don't do it as well <laughs> it's, true. it's true but I find that they respond to it as well because sometimes my boyfriend he'll call like a cat in just like his voice and then I'm like yeah. no use that baby voice and then the cat will turn around and like come to him so well, yeah, exactly. I mean, my, I um, there's a word like for for dinner. I say the word um, din dins, but I say it in a ridiculously high voice that my <laughs> husband can't even reach. So if he says the word din dins in a lower voice, exactly. they don't know that. Yeah. They don't respond to that. So he always sends me out if if um, if they're outside. He sends me out to do the high pitched voice, and as soon <laughs> as I do that high pitch, they know that that yeah. is yeah. as they didn't. And I guess that's because I've been doing it right from when we we got them. I went into that high voice. That me that equals food. So they recognize yeah. not so much the word as um, the pitch and yeah. how I'm saying. Them, yeah. Yeah. So funny, so funny. And going back to Lucky, who who we were talking about earlier, um, and um, I'm thinking about, you know, lost cats and cats getting lost. And sometimes I actually get some people who contact me, you know, to ask if I can help them or like make a post about their cat that's been lost. Um, And, you know, I've had my cat, he wasn't really lost, but he was actually in a bush that was next to my house and I think something scared him and he was just in there for right. a while he did come out um even when I was calling him so it wasn't until I actually saw his eyes because he was all black as well Aww. so I saw his eyes yeah I knew that I was here yeah. and got him and he was fine 
but um, cats are a lot smarter and aware of stranger surroundings than we think. Can you tell us a little bit more about how cats react when they get lost? Yeah, so so when people have lost the cat, I mean, how, how I try and help them, if the, the first thing you have to um, try and understand is the personality of the cat. So, um, so male cats roam further than female cats. Um, if they're street smart, so if they're cats that have that go outside, usually they've just wandered too far. Or they've gone into. You'll find them. Um, they've gone into somebody's house because they're they're friendly and everybody feeds them, and so they're used to kind of going long distances. And then they've just got a bit disorientated. Um, so so if you've got a cat that normally goes outside, normally you'll find that somebody's taken them in, or they've got trapped somewhere in somebody's house, um, or they or you can kind of extend your search a bit further. Um, and if it's a cat that's kind of escaped, like one of my friends um, was actually, it was actually the editor of The Sun again, an ex-client, um, and he took on somebody's cat to look after. And it was an indoor-only cat. And just um, by a freak accident, the cat just run for the front door and they came home from work. And that was a cat that had never gone outside. And so that cat was found, I think, four days later, right next to the home, like hiding in a bush. Yeah. So it was an indoor cat that was very, very scared of going outside. So it just hunkered down and went into survival mode. Yeah. So cats that generally are very shy or don't go out, you'll find them very, very close to the home, hiding, terrified. They will only come out if it's really, really quiet and really, really late at night. So it's good to find those cats if you go out about five in the morning. Yeah. You might have more chance finding finding those kind of cats. However, I've been hearing more like of these situations as well, Anita, where other people have taken in someone's cat into their home. And I... I don't recommend this at all because the cat is probably also wanting to just go back to a familiar environment. And even if they think they're doing the best for yeah. the cat, the owner's probably, you know, sick with worry trying to find their cat. And if you're keeping someone else's cat in your house, it's just not helpful at all. Well, yeah, I, I mean, people think as well, because um, if you find a cat outside, um that hasn't got a collar I don't know why but people just naturally naturally assume that the cat's a stray mm. because it hasn't got a collar um and also if they see a cat who might be elderly who, who might have um a certain disease where the cat is just naturally thin they will automatically assume that it's a stray so um nobody should ever be taking in a cat of course um, you can take into a cat for one night if you find a cat that's really f- frightened that seems disorientated but then you should contact your local vet straight away <coughs> sorry <coughs> let me just have a glass of water and um, and get the che- the cat checked um, the microchip checked because all cats should be microchipped I hope does that make sense <laughs> absolutely no it makes a lot of sense yeah. and I would definitely recommend that <coughs> more than a day then it just shouldn't you shouldn't really keep someone yeah absolutely and um really I'm, I'm against actually feeding cats as well yes. because it just encourages cats to just keep coming into your home and also cats can be be on all kinds of medication so um it's not good to just be be feeding a cat either you can give them strokes but um I'm really against kind of just just finding the odd cats coming into your garden and then start feeding them no, yeah, because it's not fair on the cat's guardian either that they're getting. Yeah, they're just going to be putting weight on, or you're disturbing um, medication or whatever's going yeah, on. Absolutely agreed. Agreed with that. Um, fascinating passage about cats' body language. I was pleased to hear that when they're needing you, which I also call making bread, it indicates a relaxed cat affection and feelings of security. Can you tell us a little bit more about body language? Yeah, I mean, I found that that um, chapter a bit more difficult to write because there's so many facets to consider. Mm. Um, because obviously you have to think of the, the context. And when I was talking about um, various a- aspects like um, the way cats communicate, which is through their scent, body language, um, vocalis- vocalizations, etc., um, different things can mean different things depending on, like, if the eyes are in a particular way, but then the ears might be in a particular way, or the cat might be low to the ground or high to the ground. So there were so many different variants that um, I started to 
um, think that this chapter was just going to take forever or just be a whole book in itself. So what I just had to do was just write um, basic things um, to do with um, how they use scent and whether the towel is up, whether it's down, whether it's quivering and um, how big the eyes are, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to keep it quite basic. Yeah. And then I had to put – but. Um, if the eyes are a particular way, but then the cat's doing this and it will be something different to if it's doing this. It, yeah. So that was quite a difficult chapter. But um, Obviously we need to um, understand cat's body language to understand our cat's emotional state um, combined with what uh, the context is like, what's going on around them. Yeah. Yeah. I do often look at their eyes for telling signs as well. You know, when they're narrow, they feel more relaxed and when they're yeah. big and wide, they're usually scared. So I, I always try, but sometimes when they're big and wide, it doesn't always mean that they're scared because I see them, you know display this kind of like wide eye when they're also playing or I know exactly when they're excited when they're yeah. stimulated or the eyes could narrow when when they're excited yeah. so there's so many different so variants many. I think um you could almost write an entire book in itself just yeah. based on just based on that <laughs> exactly it's so true it's so that's true. right but I did want to kind of mention it and so I've kind of just just kind of um hooked on the most basic things really just to give people a better understanding Yes, yes. So why is the term fur babies problematic for some people who work with cats, such as other cat behaviourists? Um, okay, so I think most behaviours, I mean, I use that word as well. Um, I think most behaviours kind of see it as just humanising pets and it annoys a lot of professionals. Okay. That's the only reason I can think of Um I like I like using it because um, I think to to some degree we we see our cats as children, definitely part of the family, and um, and I think I relate to that as well. So I think that that helps me relate to my clients because I think well I think I'm very very similar to my clients with how I see my cats. They're, they're my children. I don't I don't have human children. I have cats. So I kind of understand the language that my clients are giving back to me. I don't like judging people because I'm exactly the same. I love the word fur babies. Oh good. <laughs> me too. I love them. I, I sometimes you know there are cats as well that like to be held like babies. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not all, but that's oh, all. Yeah, yeah, some odd few. Yeah. Um. So now moving on to my favourite part of the show, which is pets. We've been speaking about pets all along, anyway. Um. But can you tell us a bit about your life and journey with pets so far? Yeah. Um. Well, I just feel that it's it's been a major honour to help people with their relationship with their with their cats, and I just um. I feel I'm incredibly lucky because I changed my career midway through my life. Um, so I feel incredibly lucky to have moved from an, um, an, the area of uh, being a singer-songwriter, which um, I was fairly successful, to now being in a totally, totally new area, which has just taken off and just given me so much joy. So I just feel, yeah, I just feel it's an honour to help people with their cats. <coughs> Sorry coughing again and I'm also obsessed I cannot go out on a walk without saying hello to every dog I see as well yeah. I'm sure you're the same no I love them every time I walk past a dog or a cat I'm just like yeah. oh my gosh I really just <laughs> We're just always looking at them, like, oh, look at them play, and look at, oh, yeah. No, I'm terrible. I can't, um, I can't walk past a dog without talking to the owner. Well, I talk to the dog first. Yeah, me too. Infuriates my husband because we can never get anywhere, especially when you're when you're walking in the countryside and the amount of people with dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I am a nightmare. I so imagine. I love dogs just as much as cats. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Um, I would love to know more about Kiki and Zaza. What are their personalities like? And have you learned even more about cats from them? Um, I just think I learned from, from all animals, really. Yeah. I think that basically I think animals help us live in the moment. Um, yeah. I think that they teach us compassion. Um, what else? They teach us love, um, how to be patient. 
I mean, every cat is different. So I think you just have to respect what they're giving out to you. So um, there's knowledge all the time with, with any animal. And I have two cats, yeah, Kiki and Zaza, they're Norwegian Forest. They're 16. Um, they're very, very different. They were close as kittens, but um, like most, well, with many, many kittens, when they get into adulthood, suddenly yeah. they just kind of go separate and then they just ignore one another. So that's where we're, that's where we're at now. They just very indifferent to one another sadly so I haven't got that closeness that some people have yeah with um their adult cats um so the, yeah they're, they're just very very loving there's Kiki sitting on my desk now she couldn't bear to see me in the conservatory with the dog desk <laughs> now asleep um uh, Zaza has a cancer of the paw um, but she's doing really well on medication at the moment but you know, they've taught us so much. They're our family. And, you know, I often say to my husband that I just don't know what we're going to do when, when we lose them because they've been such a huge part of our family. They're our children, basically, yeah. with our fur babies. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, you know, every every day they teach us something and they're just, um, they're, to me, they just make us, uh, animals make us better people for yeah. sure. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Norwegian forest they're quite um tall they're quite big cats aren't they yeah they're, they're kind of like the bigger breed cats they're, they're a bit like yeah. main coons yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of more softer faces but they're big and furry they need lots of grooming yes um, big climbers but they're but they're they're part of um what, what i'd say the bigger breed cats yeah well, so they're lucky to have you sorry they're lucky to have you a groomer Oh yeah, I mean they don't particularly <laughs> like grooming very much. Oh, really, yeah, I, have to, I have to groom them, and um, you know, combined with lots of treats, and you know, oh, I, okay. they have the luxury of, of being groomed over a week as well. So if they don't like it very much, I just groom sm- small sections at a time, yeah, and then it's more bearable for them. <laughs> yeah. Oh bless. Well, it has been so lovely speaking to you. Honestly, oh, thank you. I've got the chance to to finally speak to you. And like I said, I loved your books. I definitely recommend them to all of our listeners because you can learn so much from Anita um, and what she's written in her books. And the people that you include in your books as well are amazing people. Um, so thank you. Oh, thank you very much. It's been It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Yes. But lastly, if our listeners want to find out more about you and your accounts online and, of course, your books, where can they find you? Yeah. So so my two books, Claws and Let's Talk About Cats, are on Amazon. Um, I do have an Etsy website and it's um, just Etsy.com cat bookshop. Okay. Um, my website's catbehaviorist.com. And I'm really happy if anyone wants to drop me a line on Instagram, it's catbehaviorists. brilliant thank you Anita I'll be sure to put all of those links it's been a real pleasure thank you well I hope you have a lovely rest of your day yeah you too take care okay bye thank you so much for listening to this podcast We have some amazing guests on the show who share such invaluable advice, stories and inspiration. Can you do me a favour? If you like this podcast, please could you rate, review and subscribe. This will help us reach people who can benefit from listening. Another way you could help is if you could tell a friend who you think might enjoy this podcast too. See you next week. Goodbye.